0: Support for Industry Focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at QuickenLoans.comslash Fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, January 13th, and we're wrapping up Resolutions Week with today's tech show. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined in the studio by Michael Douglas, head of Fool.com's financials, healthcare, and investment planning coverage. Michael, how's it going?
1: Yeah, it's going great, especially for Friday the thirteenth. Maybe it's my lucky day that I'm here, or maybe it's your unlucky day that I'm here. I guess we'll decide.
0: Yeah, the uh, the backdrop of the studio right now is like kind of an ominous purple. So we'll <laughs> see what happens today.
1: Right. Sort of like that sort of like weird storm cloud that you're like, oh this could be really bad. Yep. Yeah.
0: But today's really a treat uh, even though it's Friday the 13th because we're getting to do a podcast together. Yeah. And uh, you are you are one of my best friends here at Full HQ and we have never done a show together because I don't know anything about healthcare and financials
1: and I don't know much about tech.
0: But thankfully <laughs> we can we can talk about our new year's <laughs> resolutions together. Yes. And just as a reminder to listeners um you can find all the resolutions that we're going to be talking about on today's show at resolutions.fool.com. Entire industry focused cast and a couple people that make cameos here and there. Did write-ups so um, if you want some clarity on anything we say or if you just want to see it written down rather than spoken out um, you can find it there but um I think before we get into talking about our specific resolutions we'll do that in the second half of the show it's good for each of us to kind of talk about how we think about resolutions and the frameworks that we have set up to accomplish things because I mean I got all my new year's resolutions done last year did you
1: I don't remember if I made New Year's resolutions last year. Well, this year you did. Yes, this year I did, and well, I'm already one for three, and feeling pretty good about that. Wow! So So you're 33% of the way there. Yeah, exactly. And you you know, midway through January, feeling pretty good about that. If you
0: annualize those returns, it's incredible. (laughs) Um, So you have a very specific framework for how you look at getting things done. You want to talk about that a little bit, Michael?
1: Yeah, sure. But but even before that, let me just talk broadly. You know, I think uh, a lot of this comes down to what motivates you, and so people are motivated by different things. Um, Sometimes it That they really want um, support. They really want you know uh, um, the feeling of accomplishment. Um, Some people think about things in terms of power. Some people think about things in terms of money. Um, For me, I'm very much motivated by the idea of um, having a a resolution that sort of pays me. Um, And so I actually um, try to quantify what the resolution is worth in money terms, and then how many hours it's going to take me to um, to do that, so I can sort of quote pay myself. Um, by getting that resolution done. That's very motivating to me, um, because um, you know, I, I like to think a lot about return on investment of time, because ultimately, we only have so much time. And um, so I want to make sure that any time I'm spent, I'm spending not doing my job and not doing things that make me happy. like spending time with my wife and watching movies and, you know, reading and skiing and whatever, hanging out with Dylan um, <laughs> is time that is um, profitable. And when you think
0: about it that way, rather than looking at rebalancing your 401k or deciding to up your contribution limit or doing more stock research mm-hmm. and saying, "Well, this is nebulous and I can't really figure out what I'm getting out of this." Right. You can say, "Well, this is this is roughly what I've decided this is worth per hour."
1: Right. And it's like, "Okay, cool. You know, I spent 3 hours on this today. And I made 120 bucks, I think, long term. You know what? I feel pretty good about that."
0: And it's a nice way to take what is otherwise a long-term thing and make it a little bit more short-term and kind of get some of that instant gratification.
1: Yeah, and and this is one of the things that's really tough, right? When you're thinking about sort of like longer longer-term stuff, and and um, one of mine is very long-term, and two of them are reasonably short-term, um, is that it's just that daily grind, right? Like you have so much energy and excitement in January because it's awful outside and you want to do something to sort of turn it around and to make this next year awesome, um, but it's really hard in mid-March to keep. Chugging through, um, and so um, it's important to also practice some some self love. And you know, like you, you miss some, you know, you, you you don't get something done in the month that you planned to. That's okay. You know, you just kind of gotta pick up the pieces and keep going.
0: Yeah, I'm a firm believer, huge advocate of writing things down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we have the benefit of being able to post ours on fool.com. That may not be a benefit if you don't achieve them, because they're not publicly available. <laughs> but um, Missed that. <laughs> yeah, right? But really, if you have something written down, the reality is most people are not going to get their life in order on January 1st mm-hmm. or January 30th. It's just not going to happen. right? You have so many moving parts, you have holiday parties, whatever. There's, there's so much going on. The flu. The flu. People get sick. But if you have something written down, one, you have the process of organizing your thoughts. Into these are the things I want to prioritize for the coming year. Mm-hmm. Two, as you have free time, you can revisit that list and actually knock off the things that you want to get done rather than kind of remember something that you wanted to do, but you don't exactly remember the specifics, and oh, look, I got to take the dog for a walk. And it never gets done. And
1: things get in the way. And, and and instead, by you know, attaching something to it, you know, whether it's oh, if I do this thing, I get to take myself out to a nice dinner, or you know, again, like I'm thinking of this on a sort of dollar per hour basis. Um, that gives you the the carrot, right? To sort of, in addition to the stick of like, yeah, yeah, this is the thing that I need to do too. So you've got sort of the guilt on one hand, and then the prize for doing this thing, um, and hopefully that kind of gives you this powerful combination.
0: Yeah. And to look at what I did last year, because I wrote down mine last year and they're mm-hmm. available on full.com too. So last year I did take care of all three of my financial resolutions. Um, here's each one and when I actually did them. So, first one was roll over my old 401k from a previous employer into a tra- traditional IRA. That was something I did in June of 2016. So, six months basically after I said that that was something I wanted to do. Um, my second one up my current 401k contribution by one to two percentage points. That was something I did in January, because that's a pretty easy fix, right? You just have to log into your fund admins portal and make a couple minor tweaks after you decide how much you actually need on a monthly
1: basis. And then just forget it and watch the money pile up. Exactly.
0: Resolution 3, make a Roth IRA contribution. This was something that happened in August and September. Did it over a two-month period. Sure. But I think what you notice with all three of those is the really easy one got knocked out right away. Mm -hmm. The two that required paperwork and actually having to transfer assets over or talk to my bank quite a bit. That was something that didn't get done for a while, but I eventually did it because I knew that it was something I needed to do and I had it written down. And so, you know, when I had a free Monday and, you know, didn't have anything going on after work, I'd say, "All right, what, what what's the paperwork that I have to go through to get this over to Vanguard and and talk to my fund admin."
1: And you know, what's really interesting about that is <clears throat> You know, your easiest one might have actually been your highest return on investment one, right? Because you know, upping that 401k contribution by a little bit really compounds a great deal over the uh, over the years. And so, um, you know, it, it, I know this is a, an interview question you and I both ask sometimes when people um, come to the Motley Fool. Um, to interview for a position is sort of like how do you think about prioritizing your time you know when you're thinking about the amount of uh, difficulty the amount of effort um and then the return um, oh you love
0: that matrix I, I
1: love that matrix and so you know for me it's always like you know are you are you interested in like sort of low effort high value things because that's really cool you know like there's a very good reason to do that. And some people like really high-effort, high-value things because um, that's their chance to really do something that maybe somebody else doesn't have the time for. And So, there's a lot of interesting answers to that question, and I I find that really helpful in terms of thinking about psychology. Mm.
0: A couple other things that I think you'll notice with people that are successful with their resolutions. Mm -hmm. um, You want to keep things fairly realistic. You know, uh, my list last year was only three items. My list this year for personal finance-related resolutions, three items. I think yours is also three. Yep. So you want a pretty manageable list. Like know yourself and how much time you really want to commit to something. Even as someone that loves the stock market, investing, and in personal finance, I know that I can only bite off so much with this stuff.
1: Well, and and what I'll even add to that is, if you think, dear listener, if you think that um, you know three resolutions is too few. Make three anyway. If you finish them all by mid year, cool. Take yourself up for a nice dinner and then make three more. You know what I mean? Like, like there's nothing saying that you have to make your resolutions right now, um, all of them right now, and then carry them through f- for the year. I mean, you know, have yourself a little New Year's party with some champagne in June if yeah. you manage to do it all by then. January 1st, 2017 is a societal construct, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so that, that's a good thing to keep in mind, though. I mean, I, I think to that point, use the new year. As a force for good, mm-hmm. don't fall two months into 2017 and be like, ah, oh, it's a lost cause. Like, I, I can't, 2017 can't be the year that I get it together. Right. No, you still have 10 months left in 2017. You know, <laughs> like, choose to reset when you need to reset. Some people, but myself included, love having the turning of the calendar page into the new year mm-hmm. as that reminder and that opportunity. But if things don't work out early in the year, you can still do this at any other point.
1: Right. Um, and, As I mentioned earlier, you know, sometimes you're going to fall off, you know, whether it's budgeting or dieting, you know, everyone's got their day where it's just like, oh man, somebody brought in, you know, chocolate cheesecake and like fried chicken, and I just, oh, it's gone, right? That doesn't mean you can't get back on the track the next day.
0: Hmm. A couple other tips. Did a little homework just to see uh, what the internet was saying about this. Um, I think having an accountability buddy Mm -hmm. can be pretty helpful. This is something I've seen on multiple blogs, and it's actually something that one of my friends, Kind of forced me to do for them, Um, you know. I mean, it's it's hard for me to not evangelize sometimes about personal finance stuff when I'm out with my friends. As as I'm I'm the same way, (laughs) as riveted as I'm sure they are when I do that. Um, And I, you know, neither of us are certified financial planners, Uh, but it's it's nice to at least raise awareness on certain things and get people thinking about stuff. Yep. And I had a friend who had worked, um, you know, gotten a job out of school and worked and lived at home in the city that. She was working in and so was not paying rent for two years because she was living with her parents and then moved out, moved in with a friend. And she kind of came to this realization that she had saved a ton of money well beyond what she needed for an emergency fund mm-hmm. and should probably do something with that. And she was talking to me about it and I was like, Yeah, like, let's do it. Let's not, talk. not, <laughs> let, not like you do it, like, let's do it. Like, I'm going to ask you about this. And, you know, a month later, I was like, Okay, so what's going on with the money? Have you set up a Vanguard account? No. A month later, okay. So I set up the Vanguard account. I haven't transferred the money yet, and so um, sometimes it can be really helpful to find support from other people. Uh, I I think that that's something that people can overlook sometimes with that, and you can be lucky and find an accountability
1: accountability buddy sometimes. So, so two thoughts on that. First off, do you want to be accountability buddies on on at least the ones we share? Yes, absolutely. Okay, awesome. So that. Second thought is the other thing that you pointed out was that she sort of like did it in. Pieces. Blocking and tackling is really important because rolling over a 401k or something like that, as you know, as I know, takes forever, right? There's like all this paperwork and you got to kind of coordinate and, you know, sort of shuttle ambassador between two different companies. And it's kind of miserable. Um, so for me I I'm very much an incrementalist. I believe very strongly in okay, I made progress towards this. I didn't finish it, but that's okay because I made the progress I'm going to make this week toward it. Okay, next week I'm going to do a little bit more and then sort of gradually like okay, I filled out the form today. That's enough. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go have dinner now. Okay, today I'm doing this thing. And so like that's a way to sort of like chunk it into manageable portions.
0: Yeah, small bites, right? Yeah, exactly. So You teased that we share some resolutions. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit in the second half of the show. But before we do, support for industry focus comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust who has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste your time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share all your financial information to get a mortgage approval in minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. Whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank, skip the waiting, and go completely online at quickenloans.com. fool Equal Housing Lender, licensed in all fifty states and MLS ConsumerAccess.org number thirty thirty. So, Michael, second half of the show. Why don't we talk a little bit about some of our New Year's resolutions? Again, shameless plug, these are available at resolutions.fool.com. Um, before we get into the non- the personal finance ones, do you have any just personal ones? Anything that you're like, I want to be a better person and
1: do this? <laughs> well, I do want to be a better person in general, uh, and I don't uh, tie myself to a, new, uh, to a calendar for that, um, because that's an always ongoing process uh, with plenty of um, ups and downs. Um, Michael Douglas cannot be bound by calendar pages. <laughs> Something like that. Um, So I, as I'm sure many Americans did, uh, put on a couple of pounds over the um, over the the last month. Yeah, Yeah. the last two months. Uh, And so I am looking to lose those and a little bit more because why not? So I'm I'm uh, my plan is to lose 10 pounds this year and to keep them off until mid November at least. Uh, You know, maybe we'll put a little bit more back on back then. You know, we'll see. That's fine. That's kind of part of that time of year, and I enjoy that. And that's just kind of how that works. Nice.
0: One of my non personal finance related ones is I have a notebook and I have to put something down in that notebook every day. And it can be like some crappy whatever, but it's got to be something. And it's like the whole point is to stir creative thought and at least give myself 15 minutes a day to think a little bit about it.
1: A, that's awesome. And B, when they make a movie about it, I'm sure they'll title it The Notebook. (laughs) The
0: Notebook, oh God. (laughs) Nicholas Sparks, huh? Yep. So I'm 12 for 12 so far because today is the 13th. So I haven't done it yet today, but we'll see how it goes. I'm always wary of daily resolutions because they're very hard to keep. Right. But I think if I can set aside five to 10 minutes and at least think about it a little bit, I like to write. So I
1: think it's worth trying. Totally. And as Howie Day said, even the best fall down sometimes. So it's okay if you miss a couple.
0: And that's the important thing. If I do miss a day, just get back on the
1: next day. Yep. Exactly.
0: All right, so let's talk a little bit about some of our more investing and personal finance related ones. Uh, We have a couple that we share, and one of them is investing related, specifically talking about the research and attentiveness that we have to the stuff that we hold.
1: Yes. Um, So for me, I drew mine pretty broadly as essentially take the time to grow my stock portfolio. And by that, what I mean is um, historically speaking, um, one of my problems as an investor has been um, not. um, has been um, irrational exuberance. Being too excited about a stock and then not doing enough research to make sure that it's really the right one, that I really understand the risks. Um, and so, uh year, year and a half ago, I sort of created this process that's really slowed me down, and that's awesome. The only problem is that that process takes six to eight hours per stock to properly vet. Um, and so, it it's a lot of time. Um, and so, my resolution, uh, on this is to take the time to vet at least one new stock a month. Um, so take those six to eight hours, and then another um, seven-ish hours. So let's say 15 hours a month total to review my portfolio holdings in general. Now those that seven hours per month to review uh, will probably be stacked pretty closely toward when quarterly um, earnings come out, because that's when really the new information comes out. Um, so I expect it'll be sort of really heavy in one month and lighter in the other two. Um, but um, it's really important to me to to do this right and to do this well, and I believe that by doing this, I will be able to um, increase my. Um, I, I hope, <laughs> hopefully, uh, be able to increase my uh, portfolio uh, returns by a percentage point a year, um, and in doing so, that would mean that over the next uh, um, twenty years, that'd be worth around one hundred sixty thousand dollars. Which is an ROI of forty four dollars per hour spent over the next twenty years.
0: Nothing to sneeze at. yeah, and it's nice to see that framework at play. Yeah. Uh, one of mine kind of gets at something very similar. Um, one of my resolutions is to make a tough decision on a small position that I own. And similar to how you maybe have lost tabs a little bit mm-hmm. on some stocks, and one of your resolution is really getting at like making sure you know what's going on with the companies. Um, I own Whole Foods, and it was one of the first stocks that I bought. And because it was one of the first stocks that I bought, the position that I bought was pretty small. Mm -hmm. And as I learned more about the market, as I started covering tech a little bit more, my interests kind of shifted over. And the dividend payers that I went after generally had higher yields than Whole Foods. Yep. And the growth stories that I was interested in tended to have higher ceilings than what I saw with Whole Foods. And as a result, I never really grew that Whole Foods position. And truth be told, you know, I, I bought it several years ago. I've fallen out of touch with with what's going on with them as a business, mm-hmm. and that's kind of a problem because I don't know whether I should hold them buy more or sell and so what I've defaulted to is holding and not doing anything with it and the reality is like you look at what's been going on with them as a business market's kind of down on them I'm down on my cost I'm, I'm down my down on my cost basis and were I to want to buy right now, it would be a pretty opportune time and I simply have fallen out of touch with what's going on with the business.
1: Totally, and and actually, Whole Foods uh, is actually I'm in a very similar position with them. So they are uh, one that you and I should set up a meeting and just sit and hold ourselves, hold each other, and ourselves accountable to talking about Whole Foods maybe a couple of weeks from now.
0: My friend and accountability buddy, Michael Douglas. Um, one of the other ones that we share is maybe spending a little bit more time thinking about credit cards. Yes, and I know that I charge. Probably about 90, 95% of my purchases. Are you similar or do you just have a lot of expenses that you put on credit cards?
1: Oh, yeah. The, the only thing I don't put on credit cards um, is um, rent mm-hmm. because we can't. Right. 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 If only. Yeah. I, oh, that's the dream right there. But uh, my place requires checks. So that's pretty much the only time we pull out the checkbook, too.
0: And are you very conscious of the rewards you get with your credit card or is it something that you've given a lot of thought to before
1: um, so it's something that I've thought about in uh, a little bit on and off but you know this year I sort of committed to like actually doing the math and figuring it out and figuring out what I was getting um, and uh, you know I Did that math. So, one of the nice things about it is that this is really a relatively low sort of time cost sort of thing. It's not the sort of thing that's like an hour a month or three hours a month. It's really like two or three hours of focused research and then just kind of like doing the math. Um, And in looking at it, it looks like my credit card is, um, if not um, the uh, best one for me, very close to it. Um, and so, particularly given the benefits of keeping that card long-term in, uh, for showing you know, a credit history, um, it's the card I'm going to stick with for now.
0: Hmm. So, I briefly investigated this, and that was kind of what caused me to prioritize it for 2017. Um, I charge most of my stuff, and I have a no annual fee rewards card mm-hmm. that's like fairly basic, fairly bare-bones. I get about 1.8% back, which isn't bad, nothing to sneeze at. And because it's no annual fee and because it's with a bank that I've used for such a long time, I really just haven't thought about it much. Mm-hmm. And I did a little hunting and saw that really there are a lot of cards out there that offer similar, if not better, rewards rates and have pretty nice intro bonuses if you hit certain spending thresholds right. within the first three months. And so. Uh, those bonuses are generally to the tune of like four hundred to six hundred and fifty dollars in travel credits. Some of them are directly usable as cash. Some of them are bookable. It depends on the card and all the terms and all that stuff, which is a whole other conversation. <laughs> Your mileage
1: may vary. Yes,
0: but um, th- what I basically realized was, with my current spending habits, it wouldn't be very difficult for me to hit those spending thresholds mm-hmm. and enjoy a nice, you know, four hundred dollars or six hundred fifty dollars towards whatever vacation I want to take in the summer, and throughout the year enjoy higher rewards rate. You know, second year of course annual fees will kick in on some of those cards and that plays into the calculation. But one of my priorities for this year is to look at that field of, you know, slightly more rewarding cards and see what makes the most sense for me.
1: Totally, um, and and I mean those intro bonuses are exactly to entice you to move cards, and so there is a there is a serious benefit to it, um, particularly if they waive the annual fee for the first couple of years.
0: Yeah, which they're always happy to do for, for new customer acquisition, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I hear the Bahamas are very nice this time of year.
0: I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, so one of your resolutions uh, that is not mine because it's not the phase in life that I'm at right because now because it's mine, yeah, it's yours. <laughs> um, is to understand the home buying process
1: a little bit more. Yes, um, and so this actually. In with things like credit score, too, because your credit score is an incredibly important three digit number for understanding uh, for, for getting a mortgage. Um, so, my wife and I have been uh, saving for probably about two years now uh, towards um, buying a house, um, which in the DC area, not cheap, not easy. Um, and we've sort of, we're, sometime this year, we will hit goal one, which is to um, get a roughly 20% down payment together, plus closing costs, plus an emergency. Fund, um, so to make sure that we are like not heavily leveraged, that we are able to kind of have some play here and and figure out what makes sense. Um, you definitely don't want to be in a spot where um, you buy a house and then the next day somebody rear ends you and suddenly you're in a cash crunch. Um, so this has been something you've been building to for several years. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, so now uh, what we really need to do is kind of well understand beyond that. I mean, cool, you know. We're looking at a twenty percent down payment at some point um, this year. Now we need to figure out, like, okay, how does this whole thing actually work? Um, and there are home buying classes that um, the Commonwealth of Virginia offers for free. We're planning to attend one of those um, maybe later this month, maybe in February. Um, and then we need to talk to brokers, uh, mortgage brokers, and realtors, and you know, maybe Rocket Mortgage. Maybe and Rocket Mortgage. Maybe Rocket Mortgage. Uh, and uh, inspectors and things like that, and sort of figure out what all that looks like. Um, there are some really Clear financial benefits to this. Um, I believe that a, a, a good realtor um, is worth a fair amount of money. Uh, I threw out a number, which is $10,000. Um, the assumption being that um, either in terms of helping sort of negotiate down the um, cost of the house uh, or you know getting folks to throw in you know oh well okay yeah sure we'll we'll replace the toilet here you know that sort of thing um, and or the benefit of a good inspector which is um, you know maybe some deferred maintenance that you can make sure gets Pulled into that price, you know, I think that's worth probably ten thousand um, dollars. And it turns out that uh, many lenders will offer you a slight reduction in your mortgage rate if you take a home buying class, um, which Makes is sense. yeah, which um, a one eighth of a percentage point reduction in a three hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage is worth five thousand seven hundred ninety six dollars in interest saved over a thirty year period. So all told, that works out to almost sixteen thousand dollars. I'm estimating it's going to take me about a uh, hundred and eight hours or so of research, not including the actual home buying process. I, that's just sort of like, what do you want? Do you want fireplaces, chimneys, all that stuff? Uh, so do you want fireplaces, chimneys? You know, I don't really care, to <laughs> be honest. Uh, I I think my wife has a lot more opinions on that than I do. I, I probably will start having opinions, but I'm not there yet. Okay. Um. So ROI, uh, assuming all those numbers are correct, is $146 per hour spent, which is a lot of money,
0: and that's an, a resolution that lends itself very well to your ROI and time spent type methodology. Yes. it you can see the savings much more clearly, particularly when you have a class that is going to reduce the interest rates that you're paying. right. And so as things lend themselves to that, that becomes a particularly powerful tool
1: to incentivize you. We should keep making plays on words with uh, lend uh, <laughs> since you know mortgage lenders, you know, all that sort of thing. But oh, yeah, gosh. Um, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm actually really excited about. Um, it's a huge financial decision, often one of the largest that most Americans make. Um, and so, I want to make sure that I do it um, carefully, methodically, and correctly.
0: So, my resolution that is not your resolution, the, the, <laughs> one that, the one that we have that is different. We are, in fact, different people. <laughs> yes, we we are, are in the
1: same room right now, so you know we're different people.
0: We don't group think on everything. Um, <laughs> Is kind of personal finance, kind of tech. I'm going to shoehorn it into tech a little bit, uh, but to change the passwords on the important accounts that I have for my online portals, and I'm going to throw out a couple of frightening numbers just to paint a picture for most people's habits and and kind of what is out there in the world. So ZDNet, which is an online outlet that covers some tech stuff, they estimated that 2.2 billion records were leaked in 2016. Now, a German research institute. Did some analysis of those leaked credentials. They found that of people involved in multiple hacks, twenty percent of those individuals had the exact same password for several sites. Yeah, I am not totally guilty of that, but um, I could be much better and much more original in how I name my passwords. Yeah, and you know, it's been a while since I've even put them in, and so I I think it's just time. You know, I I there's some peace of mind on my end that will come from updating my passwords and making them a little bit less predictable and um, maybe just tougher to get and slightly different for each site. So, if anything happens to my Gmail account or my Facebook account, it's not also going to impact you know, access to my bank account or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah, because that's where things get really scary and ugly. And
0: so, for me, that's, that's something I'm just going to have to spend one day <laughs> just like churning through passwords you know, on a Saturday and, uh, and update them. but that's something on my end that's really just oriented towards peace of mind and not having some crazy identity issue uh, rear up next time I see a leak or something like that.:
1: Totally. Of course, you know, something you could do instead, just an idea for blocking and tackling is the next time you use each of these, just go ahead and change the password. That way, you're not having to like bang it all out in a, a single day, but instead you're just like, oh, sign in my bank account. You know what I should do? It's time. I'm going to go ahead and change my bank. Uh, my bank password right now.
0: Well, that's a great piece of advice. Um, I want to be somewhat systematic about it. Gotcha. Because I've heard that healthcare host Christine Harges has a very, I don't know if simple is the right word, but memorable way to name her passwords Mm -hmm. so that she can easily recall them, but they're still unique for each thing that she does. Gotcha. And so, I want to talk to her a little bit about how that works and obviously I'm not going to ask her what her passwords are but but <laughs> right. but whatever the convention is that she uses to generate them and kind of co-opt that because if I do it once and I do it right for 4 hours mm-hmm. then I don't really have to worry about it too much again yeah totally so so that's a resolution that not quite so much in the personal finance sphere but something that we're all just trying to rest easy right
1: it could cost you a lot of money therefore <laughs> it's
0: personal finance it's downside protection right um, Thank you so much for hopping on The Tech
1: Show, Michael. Oh, thanks. It was a real pleasure. Let's do this again sometime soon. A year from now? <laughs> Hopefully sooner than that. Maybe I'll have something smart to say about a tech company sometime soon. Maybe we'll do a fintech show sometime. Oh, that could be fun. That'd be a good time. Yeah. With a right. crossover of healthcare and tech. Hell yeah. There, there are, in <laughs> fact, crossovers.
0: Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you just want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at pool.com. You can always tweet us at mf industry focus if you like the show and you're looking for more of our stuff you can subscribe on itunes or check out the fool's family of shows at fool.com podcasts as always people on the program may own companies discussed on the show and the motley fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear For michael douglas i'm dylan lewis thanks for listening and fool on